Good morning, everyone. I greet you all in Jesus' name this morning. A lot of you I recognize, some of you I don't, which is good. So it's good to see the, good to see the church full this morning. So it has been, yeah, 13 or over 13 years, I think, since we attended here. We didn't attend here that long, but uh, definitely enjoyed our time here learning to know um, a lot of you. And so it's, yeah, good to be back here. It's a little different view than I would have imagined 13 years ago, I tell you that. It, uh, but you never know what God has planned for you. Um, if, if we did know what God had planned for our future, we'd probably try to run. And so um, God has been gracious. He's given strength, and um, he will continue to give strength. So this morning, uh, I'm, I'm going to preach on unconditional surrender is the title of my message this morning. And as I tell my people at home, a lot of my sermons, or probably most of my sermons, I preach to myself as much as to you. And so it, um, I've preached this sermon at home, so this is a second-hand sermon, but you haven't heard it before, so I'm going to... Um, it, it applies to my life um, just as much as it did um, the first time I preached it. So unconditional surrender, what does that, you know, what does that mean? Um... Basically, it means you give up and you don't ask anything in return. So when, when we think of wars and countries fighting each other, when, when a country gives up unconditionally, they have nothing left in the game. They are giving everything up and they have nothing to say about, about what happens. Um, there is conditional surrender, and we'll talk about that a little bit um, later on, but... That is when someone gives up only if certain things happen. So there is, I believe there is countries that have done that as well. They'll surrender um, if there's certain things that happen um, that go in their favor. Um, Going back to World War II, it was the unconditional surrender of the Japanese that the Allied forces wanted. There was nothing else um, that was going to do. It was unconditional surrender. And so the Japanese had absolutely no say in the matter. Anymore, They were at the mercy of, I think it was the Allied forces. They were at their mercy. Whatever, whatever they wanted to do to them, they could. Um, when we think of in, in people, unconditional surrender is not an easy place. It's not a fun, it's not a fun place to be at, um, especially if someone's breaking the law and they are uh, maybe in a holdup or something. They have to realize, they have to come to the point that there is... No other way out. They're, they're not going to escape. They have to give up. Totally give up and realize that they are at the mercy of the law, the police, whatever, whatever the situation is. And so it's not necessarily an easy choice for them. Um, spiritually, I believe the same way for us to unconditionally surrender to Jesus Christ is not always an easy place to come to. Hopefully it gets easier. The more we learn, the more we we are with walking with God. Um, hopefully it becomes easier because we learn that it's just much better when we surrender um, to Christ and what he wants for us. Sometimes, um, thinking of especially military force or police, um, surrender is forced. And, and they're, they're, pretty much, they're pretty much forcing the person to do it. Um, or the person could choose death. But, so they're forcing the situation. Um, to serve God and to follow him, to follow Christ, 
requires unconditional surrender, but he doesn't force us to do it. He doesn't, um, he wants us to do it, um, but it's still our choice. We still have a choice in the matter. We can choose not to surrender to his will. Um, A couple Bible examples that I thought of um, that they were totally surrendered was um, one that I've always, I've always uh, admired was Abraham offering his son Isaac. Um, his only son. So those of us that are fathers um, can probably relate a little bit more. But offering his only son. It was the son that God had promised that he would build this great nation out of. And it didn't, I can't see how it made any sense um, to Abraham to go offer this son that God had promised him. That God had given him um, in his old age. But he was surrendered uh, 100%. To, to God's will and to God's plan there. And it was 100% obedience um, to do that. Uh, the three Hebrew boys, as they stood there um, before this great idol that Nebuchadnezzar had built, um, they knew that everybody else was supposed to bow down. They knew they were going to stick out here in just a couple minutes. Like they were going to be the only ones standing up. There was going to be no hiding um, the fact that they were going to serve the one true God. So they were unconditionally surrendered. They were like, you know, whatever happens, happens. And they told the king as much. Like, God, they said, God, our God can save us. But if he doesn't, it's okay. I'm totally surrendered um, to him. And I want to follow him all the way. Um, Saul's conversion. Uh, may we think that God kind of forced that. Um, I think Saul still had a choice in the matter. He brought him to the end of himself, for sure, with the, with the bright light. And... Um, Saul had to, had to give up what he was doing, um, his agenda for, for persecution of the church there. And so those are, those are a few different examples of surrender. And there's other examples as well. But like Saul, before conversion, we are at enmity with God. We are against God. Before our conversion, before we, before we are loving Christ. We are at enmity with him. We're living in opposition to him. Now, we'll look at Romans 8 a little bit. It brings out that point. Romans 8, verses 6 to 10. You can turn there if you want. Romans 8, verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Go back to verse 7. Um, The Living Bible says, For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. So, before Christ, before the Spirit is living in us, we are at enmity with God. We are living hostile to to what God wants us. And so when we answer God's call, when God calls us and we surrender, we unconditionally surrender to Him, then we move on to... Verse 10, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life. So surrendering doesn't mean that we die, we die to sin, 
But we die to God, and then we have life through Christ. The Spirit lives in us and gives us new life, a different kind of life um, than what we had before that. So when we answer God's call in our life, we're saying that I am willing to do whatever God is calling me to do. I'm giving up everything that he wants me to give up, everything that I've hung on to that I want, to, that I want for myself. I'm giving that up um, because I want to obey him. I'm done with myself. I'm done with, with the, the sinful nature. I'm done with my flesh. And I'm putting it under his control. That is putting something under someone else's control. Um, maybe you've taught um, someone to do a job. You're, you're the boss, and you've taught someone to do this job. And the first time that you let them take over that job, that you've taught them, that you've done, you've done well, you've learned to do well, takes, takes some trust to, to allow them to do it. So we have to have 100% trust in God. And we can, because he's never let us down. We can trust him. I give up, I'm giving myself to him, putting my life under his control. But it's not easy. It's not a, our flesh wants to stay in control. Our sinful nature wants to, wants to stay in control. And it is a, a daily um, crucifying, a daily battle. There is a battle. The devil doesn't want you to give up. The devil wants to hang on to as much as he possibly can. Romans 3.23, we all know that. For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. We can stay, by doing nothing, we can stay in our sinful state. Uh, we are all sinners. We're born sinners. It takes really no effort to stay in that, in that state. And we can continue. Um, we don't have to surrender. We don't have to change to stay in there. But God didn't create us to live in that state. He created us to have a relationship. There's a, there's a void. Um, he created us with a place in our hearts to fill with him. And oftentimes I think the, the temptation or the, the temptation that the devil gives us is to fill it with something else besides him, besides the Holy Spirit. And we can, we can get into that um, we can get into that rut of, of trying to fill it. I need to fill it with something. Trying to fill it with what the world has to offer, with, with uh, money, entertainment, whatever is not of God. We try to fill it and try to get, we try to be, we try to be happy. We try to bring joy to ourselves. But that never works. It really never gives us a lasting, a lasting joy or a lasting peace. Um, God is the one that needs to fill it. His spirit needs to fill us. So that we can, so it can bring satisfaction. That is really the only thing that's going to bring um, satisfaction to us, or bring us total peace. Uh, Philippians. Let's turn to Philippians two. A couple verses there. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, and this is bringing out, um, we need to be unconditionally surrendered so that he can work in us. Uh, I'll read verse 12 and 13 of Philippians 2. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Living Bible puts it, a little bit more in English language. For God is working in you, 
giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So it's God working in us. I've surrendered to him. He's doing the work now. He's giving us the desire. He's giving us the power um, to overcome what Satan is going to throw at us. He's giving us the desire to live for him. But we need to unconditionally surrender to him. The first uh, verse 12 um, talks about working out your own salvation or uh, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. I think that is key in, in showing the results of our salvation, obeying God, obeying God with a reverence and fear. If we don't have a reverence and fear um, for God, we're in, a, we're in a bad place. So a little bit about maybe conditionally surrendering. Um, what are some of those conditions that we put in there that I don't want to quite give up? Um, obviously, it, inv- it involves self. Um, we think we think highly of ourselves, and and it's not easy um, to give everything up. Um, we like we like things that the world has to offer. Sometimes it entertainment, uh, money, status. Um, there's things out there that make us feel good for a little while, and we, and we can tend to, tend to follow after that. And so we put these little clauses in there that, yeah, I will surrender, God, but I'd still kind of like to hang on to some of this. Um, that's, not, that's not what Christ wants. Um, it makes the devil happy, I believe, if, if he can get just a little bit of us. Um, God wants 100% surrender, and the devil's happy if he can just have 5%, because that means that he's that he's got just a little bit. Um, we'll talk a little bit about later how exclusive um, God wants to be in our lives, how exclusive Christ needs to be um, to be his disciple. So I think that um, we, are, we deceive ourselves in thinking that I can conditionally surrender or that I can put these little clauses in. Um, I can conditionally surrender to Christ. We need to unconditionally surrender to Christ Um, to be his child. Let's turn to Luke 14. Luke 14, and I'm going to read verses 25 to 35. Verse 25 of Luke 14, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is a great way off, he sendeth an homage and desireth conditions of peace. peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple." Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. All right, so we talked a little bit about conversion, about allowing Christ to 
come into our lives. That's, that's one thing of unconditional surrender. Another thing is the exclusivity of Christ in our lives, how he has to be number one. He has to be 100%. Um, our God is a, is a jealous God, I think it's called. He wants all of us, and it's okay. God can be, God can be jealous. We can't be, but God can be um, because he made us. And so here in verses um, 25 and 26, verse 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. I don't think that it means that to be Christ's disciple, you have to hate your family. Um, But in comparison, um, if family makes you choose between them and Christ, um, that's where that's where the um, the offset is, or that's where it has to that's where it has to break apart. Jesus is just bringing out a very strong point about how exclusive he needs to be in our life. Um, so he talks about our family, but then he throws in there hating your own life also. Um, most of us, I think, probably like ourselves for the most part, um, but to to come to that point of Christ is so much higher than anything that we think about. And, and these things, like family is important. I'm not trying to say that, you know, we need to just discard our families. Um, but if, our, if our, anything in our life or our families, if it becomes more important um, than Christ in our life, um, that's where it becomes wrong. Jesus needs to be number one. We need to be unconditionally surrendered to him, and by doing that means that he is exclusively number one in our lives. Nothing comes before Christ, not family, not even our own life. Um, if Christ, it kind of goes on here to say, if Christ is not number one, if he's not number one, then we're not going to last. Um, so he wants us to count the cost. Verse 28, for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Are we willing, do we have the, the stamina or the, the willpower um, to, to be sold out for him, to exclusively be his? We need to count the cost um, before giving our lives over to him. Now, we can't figure out everything that's going to happen in our life, but um, to be sold out, to have that in our mind that whatever God requires of me, I'm going to do it. Whatever, wherever he calls me, I'm going to go. To have that... Um, in our minds is a good place to be, a good place, a good thing to do. Um, another thing, he accepts us on his conditions, not ours. So we don't put any conditions. When we surrender to him, when we give him our life, we don't put in our own conditions. But he puts in the conditions. He accepts you on his conditions, not ours. Um, so then in verse 27, we, have, we talked about conversion. We have loving Christ only, the exclusivity of Christ. And then verse 27, it talks, uh, brings in another thing. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Cross-bearing. Something that Christ requires. Um, if we don't, if we're not willing to do it, we can't be his disciple. It's, it's fairly plain. Um, Jesus carried the cross. Um, He literally carried his own cross, but he also carried the cross that um, was God's will for his life. God had a plan. 
the plan of salvation was put into effect when, when he came as a child, when he came as a baby. And Jesus carried that cross, and it got heavy, it got tough, um, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane. It got really heavy. But um, Jesus' words of surrender in Luke 22, it says, Not my will, but thine be done. He was unconditionally surrendered. He would have liked um, to have another way out, but yet he was surrendered to what God had. God had a plan for him, and Christ um, knew it. Christ being God knew the plan. And so he unconditionally surrendered um, to God's will. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, were his words. And so it's probably the greatest example that we have of unconditional surrender. And his unconditional surrender was for you and me, for both of us. And that's what makes it amazing. So we also, um, by our love for Christ, we unconditionally surrender to him to show him our love, um, to show that Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we show our love to him by surrendering our lives to him. So discipleship requires um, carrying the cross. And I think carrying, um, carrying the cross is different in um, different people's life. Obviously, um, whatever Christ wants for us, we want to do. Um, part, of, part of living the Christian life It's not always easy. And Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't say it's going to be easy. Um, there's, he gives us many different instances in the New Testament of what it's going to be like. You'll be hated, um, suffer persecution. But, so that's part of carrying the cross. But there's other things that I think are specific probably to each one of us that God calls us to do that, that our flesh doesn't want to do or that, our, that takes of our time. Sometimes it's just taking time to, um, to help someone else in their life um, we, take care of, we take care of babies, we take care of older people in their lives, and it takes time, but it is part of God's plan. Take care of our brothers and sisters in the Lord, serving, um, being a servant, Christ exemplified that um, tremendous much, being a servant. He came to serve, and so why wouldn't we serve? But it takes, it takes um, some self-discipline to want to serve. It doesn't come, doesn't come easy for, for some of us anyway. Sometimes it even digs into the cross, digs into our shoulder, kind of heavy, and it's, and it's really tough, and we think, how can we make it? But that's when we need to lean in to Christ and his power. His Holy Spirit um, is, is the only way. If we try to do it on ourselves, we probably will fall, and the cross will become too heavy. But with Jesus' Spirit living in us, um, he gives us the ability, the power, not in and of ourselves, but through him. Um, to do what he's called us to do. So verse 27, if you don't bear the cross, you can't be his disciples. So all of his disciples, all of his people are cross bearers. Um, There's some people that want to follow Christ without bearing the cross. They They want to have the name. They want to be Christians without the pain, the name without the pain. But that isn't, that isn't um, Christ's plan, I don't think. It just doesn't happen. So cross-bearing is one of the terms of surrender. If we don't want to carry the cross, then we're actually refusing the terms of surrender. That's part of the terms of unconditional surrender. So to be his disciple, like I said before, we agree to his conditions, not ours. 
And then uh, verses 28 to 33. Actually, I'm just going to go to, let's see here. Let's just go to verse 33. So likewise, whoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Um, Letting go, I'll say, is another one of the the terms of unconditional surrender. Um, The Japanese in World War II, they had lots of plans. They had a plan for the whole world, I think, if I understand. I wasn't living, obviously, but they had their plan. And so... They were sticking to it for the most part, but when it came to the terms of surrender, the unconditional surrender, they had to let go of their, the goals that they had, the plans that they had for the world. They had to let go as part of the surrender. And so in verse 33, Jesus also warns us that we have to forsake all. We have plans. I have plans, and I'm sure you do too, of how my life should look in, um, in the future or in, in certain days and it's okay to have, have some goals, but be willing to uh, move those goals a little bit, to come under God's plan, to come. Um, sometimes our plans and God's plans maybe match up, but a lot of times probably God has a different plan for us that looks a little bit different than what we ideally would have set up. And so we have to be able to give up all. It says forsake all that he hath. If we don't do that, if we're not willing to give up, if we're not willing to let go, he cannot be my disciple. Unconditionally giving up and putting it into God's hands. Now, there's a verse in James 4 that I will go to anyway, and you can turn there if you want to. James 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? So whatever it is that is hindering us, or whatever is stopping us from surrender, from unconditional surrender, is actually still at war um, within us. And here it's probably talking um, somewhat about us as people, we... we, uh, we fight and we have war amongst us, not, <laughs> not uh, maybe not killing and hitting each other, but we have our disagreements and we have, we have things that we have to work out. And so why is that? It's because there's still disagreements in us. We haven't totally surrendered to what Christ wants in us. It says, the Living Bible says, don't they come... The wars that we're talking about here, don't they come from evil desires at war within you? The lusts that are in us. I, w- I want to please self. I want to, I want to have my way. And so if we don't give ourselves totally over to Christ, we are going to be at war within ourselves and probably have disagreements with, our, with people around us. We're not going to be able to get along like we should, like Christ has planned for us. So if we don't surrender everything, the war is going to continue. And if the war is continuing in us, um, there's really no winners. There's really no winners in war. The way that we as Christian people 
really win is by surrendering, by unconditional surrender. That is really the only way that we, that we will win the war, to get rid of the wars that, that, are, that are inside of us, get rid of those things that are those evil desires. So surrendering to Jesus is admitting that I can't do it on my own. And that takes, um, that takes giving up of self to say that I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. I'm surrendering to you, um, Jesus, as Lord of my life. But that needs to be the place that we come to. Whatever we've considered ours, we have a lot of things here on this earth that we think is ours. And um, technically, by the world standards, they are ours. But we are not, we are just sojourners here uh, on this earth. What we have is actually given to us by God. He has blessed us um, abundantly. He's given us talents. He's given us different abilities that, that he's given us. Um, but they're to use for his honor and his glory. And so giving of those, of those um, talents, giving of the energy that we have, even giving up our, our family members, our loved ones, and saying, God, these are yours. These are your children. These are your things. Um, I realize that the ability we have is because of you. So let's use it. Let's use it for his honor and his glory. That's why he created us, was to bring honor and glory to him. So let's use it. Let's give it back. Let's give it to him. It's not ours. Surrender it to him. So let's look at, um, in closing, some of the blessings that a unconditional surrender gives. And for that, I want to look at Mark 10. Always when the preacher says in closing, it gives people hope that he will quit at some point. I remember that. Mark 10, 28. And this is kind of an interesting uh, statement that um, Peter says. So Mark 10, 28 says, Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. So this is... This is in the context of the rich man had come to Jesus. Jesus was telling him what he needs to do to inherit eternal life. And then Peter makes a comment. It wasn't necessarily a question, but after he heard the requirements of discipleship that Jesus was telling to the rich man, he says, Lo, we've given up everything to follow you. Kind of a sort of a question, like I followed you, we've given up everything, I've left my family behind. What's in it for me? Or what are the benefits? What are the benefits of total surrender? And then Jesus responds with, I believe, the blessings of a full surrender in verse 29 through 31. And Jesus answered and said, of verse 29, And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the Gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. All right, so the reward in this life is what I'm going to say. It talks about 
um, in hundredfold. Yeah, verse 30 says, receive in hundredfold. So in my materialistic mind, I think, wow, if I serve Christ, um, I'm going to be like Job. I mean, we're going to end up way better financially than we were um, before. Um, nicer houses, more, more things. I don't think that's exactly what Christ is saying here. Um, if, we look at, if we look at history, um, when someone is sold out for Christ and gives everything for Christ, generally it doesn't mean um, financial prosperity, I don't think, or even, or even popularity, great popularity. But I would like to say that the reward is a life that is 100 times the value of the previous life without Christ. 100 times more value than, than the death that we had before Christ. I don't think that it means financial prosperity. Sometimes it may, and God may bless us with that, and we need to be faithful in that. But um, to, to count on that, I don't think is right. So what is the relationship between surrender and the earthly rewards um, that he's talking about? I think it's another level of, of spiritual satisfaction or of, um, yeah, just a, a 100% superior life than what we had before Christ. By surrendering to God, it's quality of life. It's the peace, the joy, the satisfaction that we have of serving Christ, whatever he calls us to do. So a wonderful quality of Christ, not the quantity of things um, that, that we can think of here on earth. Um, sometimes we can think of surrender as, as sacrifice. It's kind of the end of our, kind of the end of our life. Things, things just aren't going to be the same. It's where our lives end. But I would like to say that it's where our lives begin. By surrendering 100% to Christ, it's the beginning. It's the beginning of a new life. And who knows what God has in plan for us, the blessings. Notice that he says in verse 30, he adds about houses and brothers and sisters and mothers. And then he throws in with persecutions, just kind of as a little tidbit there. I guess we're supposed to um, be blessed by those as well. But if, I think we can be. If God is, if we are surrendered to Christ and what he has for us, it probably does mean um, some persecution at time, whatever that persecution looks like. But let's not be surprised when that, when that does happen, if we are sold out for Christ. Just like the, the uh, three Hebrew boys, um, they got thrown in the fire. They were expecting death. God saved them from that. And so there is, there is um, persecution for, for serving Christ. Things are not always going to be rosy, but it's okay. So Jesus tells his followers that surrender to him is actually... A door to a life that is 100 times fuller and richer than anything that we've known before. But only by unconditional surrender can we experience the rewards that Jesus has in store. For sure in heaven, but even now there is rewards that he has in store um, for us if we are unconditionally surrendered to him. Lord bless you. It's been good to be here again. Keep faithfully serving him, um, be unconditionally surrendered to him so that he can work his will in your life. May God bless you.